0: Jason, I'm going to covet your weekend, and I know that's a sin, but gosh dang it. You hung out with Tony from Red Run Theater. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I'm a little jealous.
1: <laughs> Dude, we had a blast.
0: I mean, I don't mean to fanboy, but man. Yeah. Those guys to hang out with for like an evening would be super fun. Yeah. And I've hung out with Arnesto and we played board games and stuff, but I haven't hung out with Tony yeah,
1: yet. Yeah, I was definitely fanboying for a different reason, Alex. I'll get to that in a minute, but but Tony had never been to a roller derby bout before. Oh, and did he love it? Flint City Derby Girls, or Flint Roller Derby, I should say. It was mm-hmm. their first bout of the season. And yeah, dude, he loved it. They, of course he did. They won by 100. Dude, it was such a great time. Mm-hmm. We had a blast at the after party. Mm-hmm. And then on the way home, man... Tony and I grew up with the same exact music. That's awesome. And we were going back and forth naming bands, and he, I was like, hey, Tony, you ever hear the band Cursive? Yeah, man, my favorite song is Don't Say Recluse. It's Recluse. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> oh, he was throwing in some dang genas. Oh, man. Just a classic, classic Tony, man. We had such a blast, but he was in the band Dead by Sunday. Mm. And for myself, growing up in our local music scene, man, if I would have known beforehand Tony was in the band Dead by Sunday, I probably would have peed my pants a little bit. (laughs) Because those guys were like, that that was like my heroes growing up. Yeah. And Alex, we're talking about the Flint Local 432 Mm. tonight the music venue that I grew up in yeah. that really this venue shaped me as a person, maybe more. So dare I say it, Alex, than the church. Wow. Yeah. This, this punk- alert, alert, <laughs> bold statement, bold statement. <laughs> Beep, boop, boop, boop. This, that's Pastor Al, take it easy. <laughs> this punk rock club, Alex was where I genuinely learned how to love and accept people for who they are, mm. and we're going to be talking about that today. Preach and we have it. we have Joel Rash on, who is the founder of the Flint Local Four Three Two. Alex, he started in nineteen eighty five.
0: Oh my god! Putting
1: on shows, the bands he has seen, the stories he has. Dude, it's going to get real tonight. Uh, I'm I am
0: so excited.
1: Oh, dude, this is like you know how we had the Halloween show where I was going to tell all the ghost stories about the haunted house I grew up in. Yeah. This was number two on my list of episodes that I have to do with this podcast. And tonight, we're making it happen.
0: We're making dreams come true. That should be our... Our tagline, not your pastor's podcast, making dreams come true.
1: <laughs> sounds like Joel Olston's tagline.
0: <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, you're going to really enjoy this interview, especially if you uh, love the punk days of like the early 2000s. You're going to recognize some of these band names and it's going to be a really fun time traveling down nostalgia lane. Yep. This is not your pastor's punk rock episode.
1: Yeah, buddy. Changing it up a little bit there, Alex. I'm using Dead by Sunday to bring us into this one. Oh, you are? Yeah. Actually, all throughout this show, uh, we're going to be playing a lot of Flint local music. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, Yeah. I messaged a bunch of friends and said, hey, we're doing a show on the Flint local. Would you guys let us play some of your music in the background? So a lot of bands step forward. So you're going to hear that a lot going throughout this show.
0: Awesome. I'm excited. I, I don't know any, the bands that you read off to me, I don't know any of them. So I'm excited to yes. get some new music and digest it and process.
1: Yeah. So there's a little bit of an age difference here between Alex and I and when we got into the local music scene. Yeah. I'm early 2000s. And I'm probably uh, 2007,
0: 2008, 2009, yeah. that range. Yep. So, Kodiak era, long live, long live the bear. <laughs> and Andrew Stevens, uh, what's up? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, today we are here with Joel Rash, who runs the Flint Local 432. Uh, is runs the right word now?
2: No, uh, not at all. Not at all? No. Uh, Started? Yeah. Founded? Founded is a good word, and I, I still have a hand in the operation side, okay. but we have a great club manager, Sarah Johnson, who actually runs the shows and runs the venue. The day-to-day in yeah. and outs, yeah.
1: So what's the
0: 432 stand for? I've always was curious. So,
2: well, kids, back before your time. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's what I want to get into. I want to get into
1: some of the history because you've been doing this since 1985. Correct. Oh, that
2: man. is
1: a long time to be putting on punk rock oh, shows. Oh, you're telling me. Uh, But
2: it's... One of the odd things about it is that that we we date the founding of The Local to when I started doing shows. But the name Flint Local 432 dates to 1994. Okay. So it's one of those things that just became easier than trying to explain... Well, we were doing rental halls in the mid-80s, and then we were in the Capitol Theater from 87 until 93 and then we bought our first building so we just call it all yeah. the local and and only cranky old dudes quibble about that anymore
1: <laughs> yeah i mean because i wouldn't have known that i mean coming in in the early 2000s you kind of lose some of that history that i just i just remember some of the older bands saying yeah i remember when it was at the capitol and but you know i always think of the local and who's coming through as kind of like Kind of like your different graduating classes of uh of individuals uh, that make up the scene at the time and some stick around and there's some overlap there for sure i'm one of those and but it's just like you know people they learn and they move on and and that's that but it's it's kind of just been this staple and some pretty big bands have come
2: through throughout the years yeah most of them when they weren't big yeah that's the cool part about it uh to to get to the 432, yeah, um, we'd been in the Capitol Theater on and off for a few years, um, and and like almost every space we ever occupied, we were eventually asked to not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, which which getting kicked out of there was like like ended up being the greatest thing that could have happened to us because it forced us to you know get our own space, and we'd been call calling the shows Fallout Shelter. Okay. Because we were in the basement of the Capitol Theater. it had been a fallout shelter in the, the civil defense era, late 50s, early 60s, um, a designated fallout shelter. Well, we were moving into you know a Saginaw Street storefront. The fallout shelter didn't really apply. Yeah And so I don't remember exactly who said it, but uh, it, when we' doing we did a couple volunteer days to clean things up and members of bands like um, Power on Hold and Spit we're hanging out we're brainstorming on names and people had all these like terrible punk rock names <laughs> that they came up with like stuff you know let's call it the open wound you know <laughs> nice. let's call it the rat trap no let's not let's not scare people away yeah. <laughs> uh and so we were just kind of doing that like spitballing like okay what do, what do we do mhm we're a punk rock club, we book independent music, we book local bands, we're on the bricks, we're in downtown Flint, the building's at 432 South Saginaw Street. And then the name just sort of like presented itself. Yeah. Flint Local 432. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it was a tongue-in-cheek name, a nod to Flint's Union Heritage, our address, and we booked local Flint bands. What we didn't realize was that we started putting out flyers with Flint Local 432, and all of these parents who would have never let their kids come and hang out in downtown Flint saw the flyer and said, "Oh, they're going to that thing at the Union Hall. Of course, yeah. they have chaperones there." So it accidentally gotcha. was a super devious name, and and then that's uh, hilarious. But that's
0: that's the essence of punk rock, right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we moved. We got kicked out of that building in '98. We moved down the street into the Carlton's office supply store. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you remember yeah, from those. Yeah, that's, that's the era when I came in. Dead by Sunday yeah. era shows. And uh, that building was at 532. So we had a very brief discussion like, well, should we change the name? Like, and be Flint Local 532. And Chris Everson pulled up his shirt. We are had a giant Flint Local 432 logo, and we're like, all right, we're keeping the name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wonder if he got the tattoo at uh, Consolidated Ink and Steel just down the road. Uh, Chris was actually friends with uh, uh, two musicians from Flint, Matt Rinks and Brady Duncan, and they were the pioneer tattoo shop in Flint um, years before Consolidated. Yeah. And so, so Chris got ink from you know a bunch of a bunch of different artists but a lot of like people are kind of nationally known so i'm guessing that was one of those guys that did that for him
1: so would that be like the first of many businesses that kind of got their roots from kids playing punk rock at the 432
2: you know it's interesting uh uh beginning of march there's a researcher professor from uh, denver coming to flint for a few days and he writes about the impact of independent music on cities um About how people keep independent music and art spaces open, yeah, and we started brainstorming a list of people to interview that you know were part of the music scene and then ended up becoming entrepreneurs, small business owners. Consolidated ink and Steel was the yeah. first um Corey Robinson, one of the founders of that, had been a singer for a band um, called Ninja High School, and then Chris Hornis, um, from Army of One. Became Bad. a partner there, so they've always had that tie.
1: I'm going to bring that up, because we got an appointment scheduled with him.
2: Oh, the, awesome. Next month. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Consolidated Barbershop, yep. which spun off of that, but that's Zach, Zach. Minick. Yep. Um, Tony Vu, who has Mamang at the Flint Farmer's Market, Okay, you know, uh, uh, played in Kinetic Stereo Kids. Oh, man. Was the drummer for that band. Ian Deem, who has the Chubby Duck, uh, the little sushi place at the Farmer's Market, hung out at the shows, uh, it ended up being a pretty good list of, of folks. Uh, Flint City t-shirts. I was just going to bring that. That was, that was my first job there. Yeah, Matt uh, Matt Burleson yep. from Burnt Toast, and now it's Marcus Beef. Yep. he was, I
1: almost burnt the place down on my first day. He got really mad at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I own that building. I'm glad he got really mad at you. <laughs> the insurance probably wasn't very good back then.
1: Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go into detail. It was not 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 a good first day at any job. I'll just, but you know, he let me keep coming there. So good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and talk about second chances. That was a big one. Uh, but even like the taco truck oh, downtown. Yeah? I mean, right? Oh my uh, And Danny running that. And I was just thinking about that the other day. It's like there are so many people, and you're not even counting people who've gone on to web development. I mean, I know so many kids who were building websites for their bands in the right. early 2000s. I was one of them. Although, I mean, I stopped at HTML, so I'm way out of date. But I had built websites for, for bands. And, and it was like, okay, we're playing music. But then there's a group of us over here in the corner, and we're building websites for bands. And I went on to build websites for other companies I work for. And, and it's just like I started thinking about all the different life skills that you learn being in a band. It's not just about learning an instrument and getting up on stage in front of people, but you also learn how to interact with people. It doesn't take you very long when you're booking shows. I mean, the local was always nice because $5, five bands, at least in the in the two, early 2000s, and you always got a little something at the end of the night. There was There was something there. But when you go to other towns, especially when you start playing bars in other towns, it it doesn't work that way so they'll promise you we'll give you 50 bucks for gas and you go to a show and nobody shows up to you, and it's like you promised us 50 dollars, but we're not getting our 50 dollars, are we <laughs> well i could pay you in beers it's like none of us are old enough to drink yet
0: oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> i remember those shows where you play for just the other bands that are there and nobody else yeah. is there except oh, for your so mom many
2: that showed up yeah <laughs> yeah there are definitely some rough nights at every venue
1: yeah Oh my
2: goodness, dude! Um, but you know the the thing about the local, and one of the reasons we've been successful recently in getting some grant funding from local foundations is we got downtown in the mid '80s. Uh, Auto World was still open when I started Auto doing shows. World. I actually worked at Auto World for a summer. Yeah, and there was this sort of false hope that things were going to turn around in Flint. Yeah, um, history proved that it was completely misguided. Uh, there were these kind of silver bullet solutions. You know, we're going to build the third largest hotel in the state of Michigan. We're going to put in a festival marketplace just like Boston and Baltimore have. You know, we're going to do this, you know, auto world that doesn't know if it's a museum or a theme park yeah. or an attraction or what. And, uh, you know, so the locals opened through some pretty bleak years. Yeah. Um, the Capitol Theater was largely empty, uh, you know, downtown flint uh i remember when we were in the uh, saginaw street building i had an office in there and uh i drove to work every day for three years and never once had to park more than half a block away from the building yeah. because nobody was downtown yeah. and uh you know when we turned into a 501c3 nonprofit in 2011 you know reconstituted a board of directors got the new building and got that open the funders who have a long institutional memory said well you guys are helping keep the lights on down here Hmm. right so just generating that foot traffic and they said you know what you know in the winter time people work late in the office they leave at six o'clock you don't want to walk out onto a deserted street no Mm -mm. and seeing a bunch of kids on skateboards or a a a bunch of kids with their Junko pants walking up to <laughs> Halo Burger. You know, it, Halo it
1: beats... Burger was it though? Yeah. I mean, that was that was your only option. You Guys are making me hungry.
2: Stop! Yeah. It beats an empty street. And yeah. and so what we realized was that you know my grandparents loved downtown Flint because this is where everybody worked. Yeah, your doctor's office was down here. The businesses were down here. This is where you came. My parents' generation loved downtown Flint because even though they were starting to move to the suburbs, the movie theaters were here, Uh, you know, Kresge's, the department stores. Yeah. Well, we went through a long stretch where there wasn't much reason to love downtown Flint.
1: What era was that? Was that early 2000s? Did it extend all the way into that or did it start? Because I remember it being pretty bleak. When i even when I was working downtown during the week and five
2: o'clock would hit, and like here come the tumbleweeds absolutely and and really um you know uptown reinvestment formed in like two thousand and one got started, and their first projects started coming online you know it took it took a little while, but two thousand four two thousand five yeah, and when the uptown buildings started coming in, you know some loft apartments here and there uh blackstones yeah um
1: Love Blackstone's
2: 501. Oh, uh, soon after, I think the crepe company, yeah. You know, we had Rob
1: Clady on our show, yeah, early on.
2: You know, so, so, uh, I joked with Tim Herman, uh, who was the original president and CEO of, of Uptown. Uh, I said, "Well, oh, it's, you know, it feels good. We, we got to the end of our first five year plan, and it only took us 15 years to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in, uh, and i mean is oh four and oh five is when
1: my band was was probably at its peak and in oh four we had like a cd release show and there's well over 300 kids at the metropolis i mean oh my god was playing i think the hard lessons were on the same show and it was just it was a show the
2: draw was just for you guys though
1: no no not the draw was for oh my god and It was either you or Wade was gracious enough to put us to give us such an awesome show for our CD release, but it really like it was a giant springboard for us. But in like uh, 05, right before Jess and I were about to get married, which we a lot of our first dates were at the Flint Local, um, uh, we put on a wedding show that was that was at the Buckham Alley Theater. And I think uh, here in Tokyo, an Island View Drive played, and it was the same. Uh, weekend as back to the bricks Mm. and I swear there were more people at our show on that Friday night than there were at back to the bricks
2: Yeah, the first back to the bricks had like a hundred people
1: yeah Mm. and now I think I look back and I was like holy cow I mean there are so many people who go to that event let alone all the art walks and everything else that's developed down there in the in the past what five eight years that's the
0: crazy thing like so growing up I grew up And, you know, most of our listeners know I grew up in Metamora, Michigan, which is literally like there's more horses than people out there in Metamora. And we have one restaurant and one gas station. or We have have two gas stations now, so we're really thriving in the world. (laughs) But I remember always coming to Flint and being like, everybody told me, like, Flint's a bad place. You don't want to be in Flint long. You just want to go to the mall and then leave right away. And then I get called to work at a church in downtown Flint area. And then I come down here and I'm walking around. I'm like, this place is awesome awesome i like I came in 2013 so like by this point like all the restaurants had moved in and like all these different businesses that are just doing all these awesome things are already here but man like hearing you guys talk about the old days and talking about the tumbleweeds and talking about like just the just you, nobody wanted to be here past five o'clock is just super amazing to like to see like what downtown Flint has become is just truly incredible.
1: It's a gigantic difference.
2: And that, that narrative is so hard to overcome. Yeah. And uh, it's so convenient. You know, talking about any community. Yeah. You know, well, if you go to downtown Flint, you're going to get robbed. Everybody in Grand Blanc is a rich snob. Yeah. You know, oh, Davison, those all the hicks out there on their John Deere tractors. <laughs> you know, and it's it's this easy shorthand to be dismissive, of places that you don't understand and don't have experience with, and especially places that you're scared of. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't tell anybody that, you know, the entire city of Flynn is safe and you can go anywhere you want at any time of the day or night and be okay. Yeah. But, you know, the people that come to downtown Flynn or go to the commercial areas are engaged in the kind of behavior that gets you in trouble. Yeah. Right. So that's what, you know, we knock on wood you know jokingly say we've been doing shows in downtown downtown for 31 years and we haven't lost a kid yet you know like <laughs> you know it's it's going to be okay
1: that's from doing youth ministry and church stuff that's that's like remarkable stats <laughs> like it truly is well I mean,
2: and you know it's it's crazy to me to you know be on social media and i'll i'll see somebody make a post that says you know we went to the farmer's market, and we were assaulted by a homeless man. And then you get into the comments and realize that a guy came up and asked him if they had any money so he could catch the bus. Yeah. It's like, how are your kids going to get the life skills to survive exactly. on a vacation in New York City, going to college in Chicago, like, in this giant world that we live in? And I think Flynn is a really good, like, you know, training wheels downtown where you can That's come an awesome and way
1: of putting it. figure
2: out like this is how a parking ramp works. Yeah. And this is what you say to a homeless person that wants money. And this is what you say to the drunk guys walking out of the bar that are being jerks. Yep. This is how you parallel park on the bumpiest road. That's I went on a parallel
1: park downtown. Here's the one-way street that turned into a two-way street that just confused the hell out of you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
1: Just for fun, we're going to change it back to a two-way. Yeah, gotcha.
2: <laughs> yeah. and you know, And having done this for so long, and as you know from... From being involved in youth ministry, you know, you have kids where everything doesn't turn out okay. Yeah, and and bad luck, or bad decisions, or whatever that is. And there's definitely kids that have come through the local that we look back and say, "Man, I wish that had worked out differently." Mm-hmm. But by and large, what we hear, and uh, you know, the original local kids are now fifty yeah is <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> is uh you know that it, that it had a really positive impact on their lives yeah. that they made these lifelong friendships and that you know like for a lot of us it's like where we found our tribe yeah and and before social media um you know became prevalent you know you were sort of stuck at your high school yep and you know if you were the the one kid at, in Metamora <laughs> you know, or at, at Goodrich, that that loved the Ramones and and hated Bon Jovi. You know, what did you do? You had nothing. You came into downtown Flint yep. every weekend and saw bands at the Capitol exactly. Theater. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 made friends and learned how to play an instrument and started a band and toured around. Yeah, and, and then in most cases, went back to a really really normal life. Yeah, that involved getting married and having kids and getting a job. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, the local the local for, for like our folks is what, you know, high school sports is yeah. to a lot of other people. Absolutely. Like this golden moment in their lives where they look back and, you know, had these bonds of friendship that couldn't be broken and and just instinctively felt like I'm in the right place and these are my people and we're looking out for each other. This is where we belong.
0: That is so crucial, yeah.
2: dude. Like I remember being that kid it's in a high tribe.
0: S- yeah. But like it's needed. Yeah. Like I can remember growing up, like all my friends wanted to go to, like watch the football game on Friday night. I'm like, ah, oh, I kind of want to go to a show.
1: Yeah. Uh, and what do you do in your in your hometown? You know, you know your lo- local hometown. There's
0: nothing in Lapeer, and I don't, and I didn't even know about the Flint local. So we used to go to places like Romeo or down in Rochester, yeah. down south of us. But like. That is so crucial. So I'm glad you said that, Joel.
2: You don't remember the killer North Branch punk scene? No. Uh, was it the Dairy Queen? In North <laughs> was that Branch the Dairy Queen. <laughs> and, and, Give me a blizzard, bro. And some kids and some kids and bands out there got sick of driving into Flint because yep. it is a big of a bit of a haul, and and they knew somebody at the Dairy Queen, and they talked them into letting them do shows. Sort of at the end of the day. And I went out a couple times. They had they had amazing shows there. <laughs>
1: we did that in Montrose. I grew up yeah. in Montrose, and we put on a show at the bowling alley. Which the guy was extremely nervous because he's like, I'm, you know, I got, I got patrons here. I don't want to lose any of my business. I'm like, just we'll just charge a five dollar cover. I don't know who's getting paid. I don't know how this. I don't know how it works. So it's like you just charge five dollars at the door, and this is people just show up. This is how it works. <laughs> and, and we had the silhouette and off kilter playing. And 400 kids packed out this bowling alley and the cops came and they shut it down before uh, off off kilter could even get on stage. (laughs) But it was just nuts. I mean, the the silhouette went on first and they moved a table into the middle of the room and they're getting up playing guitar on the table and... and uh, I look over at the the guy who owned the bar, and he's just, "You come back anytime you want. It's <laughs> It was like that thing you do, like that
2: moment. It's just like yeah.
1: anytime you want to book a show, I'm here. I'm here. I'm your guy.
2: <laughs> well, that's funny. You mentioned Montrose because our our friend Brady Gaza from the Artful Dodgers is yeah. from Montrose, yeah. and he's he's doing this great radio show on the Kettering station, entirely devoted to Michigan hip hop but we used to call Montrose the white hip hop capital of Michigan <laughs> you know cuz there was this there's a there was a scene there there were yeah. you know uh, you know Rex and Brie had this you know cool act and they they did this little rental hall that's still there i can't remember what the cross street is you know but they'd put 300 people yeah. in there and you know kids need stuff to do yep. and you know i i, I will say that you know the the music scene's always been cyclical yeah and it's cyclical in terms of attendance and it's cyclical in terms of how interesting and good the bands are and right now they're really really out of whack in the sense that the shows are generally pretty small mm-hmm. and the bands are astoundingly good yeah and you know that's what we we tell the the staff and the the bands and the kids it's just sort of like you got to just ride this out yeah and and we're at this time where normally the kids that you think would be searching for new music and want to experience that and be part of it they don't have to leave their parents basement to hear any song in the world and so it's really easy to stay home and feel like you're part of a scene yeah because you can get online and talk about these bands and
0: that's a good point too and
2: uh really good and and you know, if we weren't a nonprofit writing grants, we'd be in big trouble right now. Mm-hmm. We just did our taxes for last year. Ninety-six percent of the money that came in at the door turned around and went right back out to pay bands. Yeah. So all of our expenses are essentially paid for by grants, which is great and how we always wanted yeah. to do it. And as I said, is you know the the, the wheels going to turn, and we're going to start seeing that percentage of kids that. At the schools like Montrose and Metamora yep. and mm-hmm. Grand Blank that are gonna go, you know, I don't wanna listen to EDM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ecstasy is dumb, <laughs> my friends are stupid. Yeah. There's something else out there and they'll find us. Yeah. Something know? with a little bit more distortion. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Uh you know, but, but other parts of it, there's a there's a ton of women in bands right now. Yeah. The musical variety on stage and you know, you're in an outlier band. Yeah you know in a in a time a lot of people were playing some pretty straight ahead you know indie rock growing into the emo scene and and yeah. you guys were making your own sound
1: we were really just trying to copy lingua franca as, <laughs> <much> as possible <laughs>
2: which is a really good plan but but now now there's a there's a ton of Americana and folk there's yeah. rock bands there's indie there's still emo bands um there's there's weird cool like electronic bands yeah uh, that are doing stuff with, mm. with keyboards and programming and theremins. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, well. it's, so it's sort of um, for me as a as a fan of music, and I still like you know when I see on Facebook somebody links a band camp, I go check it out. Yeah, uh, there's so so many great bands out there right now.
1: Yeah. Well, why don't we take a quick break? Yeah. Here in the middle of our show, and we'll get back to. Uh I want to share some kind of some of my personal story a little bit, Alex, and oh, I've got one story and for sure, uh, the how local. the local like helped shape me. So, all right, we'll see go. you guys in a bit.
0: Hello, listener. Welcome to the break. This is the part of the show where we read our five-star reviews. Jason, brace yourself. We got one five-star review.
1: Yeah, buddy, dude. I love these. I can't wait to hear it.
0: So, this one, I, I love this one. This one's great. This is from LegoBuilder68. He says this, I am thoroughly satisfied with my purchase. What was shown in the pictures is what I exactly what I received, the item was at my doorstep three days after payment. I would totally buy from this seller again. Five stars.
1: <laughs> Thank
0: you, Lego Builder68.
1: You know what? I'll take it, Alex.
0: I mean any if you wanna leave your eBay reviews on our pastor or not your pastors podcast page, go for it. It all it's all the same five star review to us. But seriously, if you have a comment or something that you'd like to say about the show, like whether it's our, singing our praises or giving us uh, constructive criticism, we want to hear from you guys. So if that's if that's through the medium of leaving us a five star review or even leaving us a message on our Facebook page, how we can make the show better,
1: we want to hear it. Okay? I really just want you to sing our praises. <laughs> sing Boy. our praises, Alex. What? <laughs> get that uh, pastor
0: worship going on, you know yeah, what
1: I mean? Yeah, we Yeah,
0: not your pastor worship. Yeah. Anyway, you want to get back in this episode? Yeah. Let's go for it, buddy. Okay. Just Right, guys we're back with Joel Rash and Jason's here of course and yep. I, Alex Ryman, am here, and it's funny listening to you guys talk about all these different bands. Like this is this is all stuff that's a little bit before my time. I kind of came in a couple years after this, but I'm not going to lie. It kind of reminds me of when Andy Dwyer from Parks and Recs talks about all the different <laughs> band names that he went through, Mouse like Rat. Mouse Rat, and then we were Rat Mouse, and then we were Scarecrow Boat, and then we were Teddy Bear Suicide, and then like,
1: uh, and April just wants him to listen to Neutral Milk Hotel. That's
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> but so what were some of the probably the more famous bands so like obviously the the flint local it's a smaller venue but it was a lot of it was a it was a starting off point for a lot of bands so like what are some of the more bands that are famous now that got their start at the flint local
2: you know the ones people would know the most right now um was actually an era that uh tyler billings yeah um was doing doing some of the booking and uh wade merrill was Mm -hmm. involved um I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details in the uh, early 2000s because uh, I was less involved with the club and my main role was w- when the bills weren't getting paid, I'd figure out how to come up with the money. Uh, yeah, but, but Robin w- Banks and what? Yeah, Wade was so blindingly competent as a manager <laughs> that I didn't have to think about things at all. And Tyler was, was the greatest over-the-phone schmoozer in like music history and so
1: coheed and cambria to come in yeah tyler
2: yeah those the tyler like uh my chemical romance (laughs) thrice atreyu oh man Um, i know some of these yeah so so that was a that was a fun era um part of it was that the there was a really really strong local scene that had grown out of that 2000 2001 um you know uh Kid Brother Collective Lingua Franca
3: We all heard him say the piano is doomed and I just learned to sing Why voice always I half a step out with the thing I'm um,
2: dead by Sunday Carson so sorry oh, Kinetic man. Stereo Kids yeah. You know, so
1: and we fed off each other.
2: Yeah, and and there was this buzz, so that when if you were coming to the local and seeing a band, right? So so we book um, uh, Lingua Franca, were uh, kind of Flushing natives. They were living in Flint then, mm-hmm. um, a, a little different generation. But then uh, you know, um, you know when when Tony Vu, you know, shows up with his crowd and they're doing something. You know, totally, totally new and different. And they bring all these high school friends of theirs who've never heard of the local and have never been to the local. And they say, let's, you know, let's go see our friend's band play. And there's flyers all over for other shows. There's a couple hundred people there. It's tough not to look at that and go, oh, who's Kid Brother Collective that's playing next week? And then you sort of cross-pollinate and you get all these different scenes and, and hometowns colliding. Well, when you're getting a couple hundred kids out every night, it's easy to take the risk on a touring band. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of those shows, I don't know if it was, was Coheed or somebody huge, opened for Chiodos. <laughs> because Chiodos was drawing so yep. many people. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, Chiodos kept the local open for a couple of years. Yeah, They were playing once a month. Yeah. You know, oh wow. and and two hundred and fifty people would show up, and and there was yeah, those were can't miss shows. There there was rent, and then you know, right around that same time, the Swellers got started. Yeah. great musical stylistic counterpoint to Chiodos. Chiodos was just over-the-top, heavy, mm-hmm. you know, emo screamo. Mm-hmm. Swellers were almost like a throwback lookout. Records, upbeat, um, clever, thoughtful, you know, punk band. Yep. And so between those, there was sort of something for everyone in the scene. Um, you know, uh, uh, before that era, you know, a lot of the bands that, that played the local were we're more kind of cult bands that didn't have that big of a, a name, but if you mention them, some people get really excited. Yeah, you know. So Fugazi's one of them. Oh yeah, Fugazi. Yeah. Um, all the Discord bands came through then. Yeah. Uh, uh, Less you know, than Jake. Uh, Soul Side. Yeah, Less than Jake played upstairs at the Metropolis. Um, all the old Lookout Records bands. Um. You know, so a, a lot of bands that was like, you know, somebody that went on to be in a much much bigger band. Yeah. You know, their first, their first show, su- uh, Suicide Machines. You know, started playing in the mid '90s. You regularly. know, the people that are
0: living the dream—that's what we call those people.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, some of them, I don't know if they're living the dream.
2: I'm sure some of them are. You know, but, but going over doing our, our accounting counting. Uh, we also, you know, just put together our 2016, all our grant reporting to sort of let funders know what we've been up to. Yeah. And because everything's in Excel, you can, you can sort by whatever field you want. Yeah. So fields are like, you know, how many people paid to get in. And we had some pretty amazing shows. You know, uh, that Bear vs. Shark reunion show. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like, first, like, book show in 10 years or something. We met people that had flown in from Japan, Whoa, New York City, Arizona, like some full-on super fans that had never seen the band. That it, is it, so awesome. Had fallen in love with them through their recordings. And, you know, and that was, you know, Bear vs. Shark could have done that anywhere. They would uh, uh, had played the local as Bear vs. Shark, uh, obviously, but a bunch of those guys had been in a ska band before that. and it had played the old local in the alley the 432 building you know so you build a relationship with people over years and it's nice to hear like yeah we were like like clueless high school kids in this ska band (laughs) and and i actually remember their band because they were really good yeah uh i still have their cassettes but they're like everybody here was so nice to us yeah we're like you know we'd I don't care if you're high school kids playing your first show yeah. or you're on tour and everybody knows who you are, right? Mm-hmm. You get bottled water before the set, your name's on the flyer, the sound guy's not a jerk. Everybody gets treated, you know, equally there. Yep. And so it's it's kind of cool when that stuff like pays off. Although surprisingly, Bear vs Shark was not the the most attended show of the year the biggest show we've ever hosted at the new space was empire empire really i was a lonely estates farewell show um, wow and and wow. they made a name
1: for themselves with all those little eps they released it seemed like every man they, they are the king of releasing an ep
2: yeah and 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 known around the world you know with with kind of this the whole you know emo revival yeah and it's weird that it's like You know, a guy who's been playing the local for years and all these other bands and and just so kind and open and giving, like, absolutely the kind of people that we want to work with. Yeah. You know, so to see... Like, that show, we actually had to tell people, you can't walk in. We are at maximum fire (laughs) capacity. That is awesome. Uh, You can
0: stand in the street,
2: though. Yeah, and people did. People stood out the front doors, and then... You it's know, get hot and sweaty in there. <laughs> Those shows. <laughs> and there's always, um, there's always somebody that like has curfew and has to leave. Yeah. So fortunately, by about halfway through Empire's set, you know, you'd see three kids walk out. Be like, you guys smoke break or are you leaving for good? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got to drive back to Saginaw. Okay, you three <laughs> can go <laughs> in good now. Morning.
1: played with oh my god uh at the metropolis Wade said we're sold out we're packed but we quit counting (laughs) 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 some more people are just piling in fire codes who gives a rip you know about those things
2: that's just a number that the man gives you yeah we now pay very very close attention to the number that the man gives us (laughs) um and also in in kind of a break with tradition uh, we have air conditioning. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Wait, so I think might be the very definition of selling out. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Not <laughs> but, to
1: mention nice quality bathrooms. Yes. I remember those those Carlton's bathrooms, those were a disaster.
2: <laughs> well, well, that's just because nobody wanted to walk to the nice, clean, spacious bathrooms in the basement. Oh, my. Everybody wanted to use the one behind the stage. I didn't
1: even know about bathrooms in the basement. Were those like a, a secret? <laughs>
2: No, I think the giant signs that had an arrow pointing down that said bathrooms would have been a clue, but... I don't remember those at all. I, I anyway. do
0: remember, Jason, if we can segue a little bit. Okay, yeah. I do remember probably one of my... I remember the first time I ever went to the local, I saw your band, The Bell Tree. Yeah. Which I practiced with one time. Yeah. <laughs> But I think one of my favorite times that I ever went to the local was to see a band that my wife and I love called Flint Eastwood. And the problem is, or it's not a problem, but they were huge in Detroit. And, they, and at this point, they had been doing tours and they had been, um, you know, getting, you know, some just some, you know, national notoriety. And they came to Flint local And I almost felt bad for them. And I thought, you know, man, they'd have a really great show because their name's Flint Eastwood. They're playing in Flint. (laughs) You would think that that something would happen. Mm. But instead, it was like the most intimate yet awesome show ever because there was 10 people and it was just me and Flint Eastwood pretty much. And it was just such an intimate, awesome show. So that, that, that will always remain in my mind
2: for sure. Well, it's tough for bands. Um... That, that get a lot of local renown to branch out into other scenes. Oh, my goodness. And, You're not
1: kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's
2: one of those, you know, like like bands have guarantees, so Flint yep. Eastwood got paid that night. Uh But there's this expectation that, like, well, of course people are going to turn out and see us. Yeah. And it takes some work. I never saw a band better at that than Chiotos. Yeah. Right? Craig Owens was absolutely like focused eyes on the prize he wanted shadows to be you know the biggest band in the world and everything they did was about making that happen yeah so never once left the club until every single kid that wanted an autograph or a picture to talk to them had that chance yeah that got, makes
1: all the difference in yeah, the world, right there
2: got in the van over and over again you know playing these markets over and over again to build up that yep. audience and you know when the time came uh, there was also a, an online contest that Derek, their drummer, who was a talented computer guy, rigged an automatic voting setup, <laughs> and Chiodos ended up winning. <laughs> <laughs> amazingly. Um, you know so, so they had this sort of established draw outside of their hometown, yeah. and were doing well in other markets, and then uh, you know, equal vision, wanted to come and see them do a show you know in person to make sure it wasn't just smoke and mirrors that they really yeah. were having that draw and they could pull it off live. Uh they weren't just local heroes. And so we set up a show like packed the bill at the Metropolis Space. Yeah. I don't know what it it was. Over 300 people that just lost their minds and they signed the deal that weekend.
1: That is awesome. You know,
2: so it's pretty cool to be in a position to help out. Yeah. You know, when uh You know when you can because you know i'd say chiodos is a once in a generation kind of band but you know the swellers were on a very similar trajectory they didn't they didn't have the record sales that chiodos did but you know they toured europe yeah they went to japan i think a couple times Yep. they opened some really big tours and you know just one of those things it's not i don't think bands get big because they're good they get big because they're good and the timing is right and they have the label support and, yeah. and just sort of things come together for them. They're often the
1: hardest workers. Right. They, they're relentless. Yeah. Everybody I, in that position. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize how much hard work goes into, into playing in a band like that. Even just going on the road. It's like being married. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing in a band helped me be a better husband, so... Yeah. So maybe maybe not playing in a band is why I'm not a husband. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I know for me like to to get into my my story a little bit and and the Flint local uh man, I really credit it with uh shaping me for who I am. And not just that, but helping me um learn how to love others that you have differences with and to accept people for who they are. And I, I grew up in the church and uh, different churches, very conservative Christian backgrounds, the, the kind of church that would teach you, uh, well, if that person doesn't go to church, they, they can't be good. There's nothing good in that person. They don't do good things. And so I, I come in and I have all this, uh, all this background noise going on in the back of my mind. And I'm at the point in life as this little kid who doesn't really fit in. I, I, you know, I, I, I like different music. I like to wear different clothes. I'm perfectly comfortable with going to Goodwill and picking out, you know, what I'm wearing. I, I don't care to, to buy the expensive clothes and all the things of that nature and i'm kind of losing touch at school i'm definitely losing touch at church i'm definitely not fitting in and i'm going to this new punk rock venue uh with my band which is just your typical i heard green day and blink 182 on the radio and i want to play in a punk rock band and uh i'm walking into the venue and i'm telling myself this is it i'm i'm done being a christian i'm done like that's not going to be accepted here because it's always been us versus them and I'm tired of not fitting in anywhere and I'm ready just to throw it all all out. And I walk in at my first show and Anathello's there. And they're up on stage and it's just this big giant band that sounds so different and so unique.
3: Can I come this time and stand to mind?
4: of you and
3: sang And I'm tough, I'm tough, I told myself they
1: fell apart. The Toward the end of their set, they kind of say, Hey, you little emo kids over there in the corner, you know, you can quit crying and come hang out with us, and And, you know, they're kind of, like, lovingly picking on everybody. And they were Christian. And I thought, man, maybe I can just be me? Like, I didn't have any kind of identity at that point, I felt like. But then I was like, maybe I can just be me. And maybe these people here can just be them. And that's something, Alex, I mean, you... You grew up in a youth group, but you were a little bit older than yeah. I was
0: seventeen, so I I'd seen a lot of the world before I entered into the church. Jason. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I had seen a lot of the church before I entered into the world, and uh, I just I, I made all these really poor assumptions. But then once I once I got in the place, and I'm sure I'm sure if uh, the church knew I was doing this at the time, they they would have scolded me for sure over it. But I just felt like I could be me. I felt accepted. Uh, The whole notion of I got to change myself um, wasn't just laughed at. It was like, you're being ridiculous, dude. Like, like just be yourself. That's what this space is about. And, And not only that, as I really learned how to love and accept other people just for who they were as people. And the thing about the ironic thing about churches is is everything is so agenda based. It's like we're going to, like they have to believe our doctrine and they have to believe this this and this. Every church has their own little set and it's their own little rules and their own little differences, but this is where you need to get with people and it's the the most unloving thing you could ever project on somebody is say you need to change before I know anything about you. You
0: just make robots with that kind of
1: yeah. ideology like uh, what I'm saying is, uh, especially from a church standpoint, I, I think so many of them wish they were a lot like the punk rock club, but they can't achieve it. I mean, they would all say like, yeah, we need to love and accept other people. And, and I think the adults were like, man, there, we got to break the cliques. There's just these all these cliques happen. We got to break those. And uh, it's about the fakest thing you could walk into. Where I walk into the punk rock, especially as I got a little bit older and I, I developed a severe mental illness and, and anxi- anxiety disorder, and um, was introduced to a whole nother world. And you look at <laughs> uh, you look at individual and you're like, okay, they're covering up the scars on their wrists too. Or man, I've never talked to a gay person before, but here's one selling merch for our band. <laughs> And you're making friends, and uh, you know if the church knew you were doing that, I mean, you'd be heavily scolded. And we were playing uh, LGBT events at different high schools. I didn't even know at the time. I just I love music. <laughs> I want to meet people, and and here we are. And I get there. I'm like, this is different. But then you hear people's stories, and you realize where they came from, and and all of a sudden, the gay person on the other side are the person with blue hair on the other side of the room, the ones we don't talk to, you start talking to them and you realize, Hey, they're normal people like me. And and, I mean, you're, you're bringing up a good
0: point, Jason, because I think this is something that I think needs to be addressed and maybe even one day be its own episode. But as long as you're in the church building, everybody that's different than you will always remain an issue. Yeah. Until you get out into the world (laughs) and see it and see people for who they are and what they are, like, that's when they become people. And
2: it's not just an issue anymore. It's a person with a face. Well, and I think the locals always had that sort of, you know, mixing effect where, uh, you know, there's people of different, like, backgrounds and races and ages and experiences. And it doesn't mean you're going to like them all. You know, there's some some total jerks there. There's some really good people that you have nothing in common with. But it's a spot where you can find out that, that those differences are okay. Yeah, And, and that's still, you know, I, I didn't know that's what I was craving when I started doing shows. But it's obviously what I wanted to have happen because awesome. I'm not a musician. Um, I never really even tried to learn an instrument seriously. There are lots of shows where I don't care about any of the... the music being played yeah but it's the like the like putting together and bringing together of people uh and so my favorite example is um you know the the local now we call it a punk rock club but when we say punk rock we mean you know young people writing and making their own music yeah right not cover bands Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know there's been a a hip-hop scene in flint you know, dating way back to the mid-80s, that the local is very rarely interacted with. And in part because you know, for a lot of that period, the hip-hop scene was older. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, It wasn't the kind of thing that was going to come to an all-ages club anyway. When we reopened the new local in May of 2012, we were very committed to making sure that the, the local was a space for everybody in Flint and not just a white suburban kid hangout. Um, and so, you know, we did some outreach and we started getting some hip-hop shows in once in a while. And it, it wasn't really the best fit, right? Yeah. The hip-hop kids weren't excited to be there. It wasn't the vibe they were looking for. Um, the, the local staffers and regulars didn't understand, you know, sort of what it was. Yeah. And so, so we had some older hip-hop acts that were drawing the same small crowd every time and not really into it. And, you know, we talk about the three Ws, of hip-hop that we're not interested in, which is wine, women, and weed. Yeah. You know, and, like, (laughs) if that's all you rap about, then this isn't the spot for you. Yeah, And so uh, a year and a half ago, we booked a hip-hop show, and we're like, you know what, let's start fresh. Instead of, like, building off of acts we know, put out an open call, see who responds, we're going to book a show. We booked eight acts uh, and a DJ. We'd never heard any of them. All we knew was how old they were. Yeah. Because that was one of the questions— just by chance, four of the acts were black, four of the acts were white. None of them knew each other. Huh. And then we had the, the same concept show three weeks later. Eight more acts. Out of those 16 acts, the whole Flint hip hop scene was energized. So, uh, you know, the DJ, uh, Tack, and his friend Gabe, who's a rapper, meet vice carter and some flint kids start trading beats start appearing on each other's acts now like like the king of the flint hip-hop scene is like a five foot four long red-haired uh uh highly energized crazed muppet named odd pike (laughs) you know who's like doing all these shows they've got a crew called down by six Mm -hmm. you know and when you do a show and there's people on stage from flint northwestern yeah flint southwestern beecher carmen yeah. Ainsworth, holly and davison and you know they come together over this love of music yeah not how much their parents make not what car they drove to get down there um not the color of their skin you know but because they love this music and it says something to them and so for us that's like you know that's how we win, yeah, is is. and and now the you know this crew down by six that grew out of it, like they've they've moved on. Like yeah. They just did a show in Chicago. They're doing shows all around the state. Like you know they'll play the local a lot less now than they did yep. before, which is awesome because mm-hmm. now there's room for more young hip hop artists who, you know, know the venue. And it's one of the reasons we're in downtown Flint, you know, back to your day as well, is yeah. that it's it's neutral ground. everybody's welcome it's it's equidistance it's sort of the same amount of effort to get there you know right like Mm -hmm. like you know Lapeer and Owasso are the same distance away you know to come into shows and um, you know so it's really gratifying to hear that you know without us being directive about it or having it written down anywhere that you walked in the doors of the local and and found a spot that was welcoming of your background and also gave you a place to sort of like explore what's obvious. Yeah. As, you know, you guys do a podcast, your natural curiosity about other people as well. Yeah. Hmm. Good stuff.
1: Man. <laughs> it's just so, it's just so awesome to see all that come together. There has had to have been, you're booking all these shows are, you know, you're, you're keeping track of all these shows. There has had to have been some major headaches with all the kids coming through. Yeah. <laughs> They are you, punk you kids, have little have, sinners. You have to have some good stories.
2: Yeah, most of them happened before the era of social media and smartphones. Okay, so I can just be thankful that there aren't photos. Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, it's there have been some very very difficult times. Lots of those have served to like bring the scene closer together. Yeah, you know. So so with the um. Uh, the, the protests in Washington last month and, you know, the alt-right, uh, or as I call them, white supremacists, yeah. you know, Richard Spencer, you know, getting punched on camera. Yeah. There's this huge debate about, you know, the, the role of violence and is it appropriate and, you know, you need to sit down and talk out your differences. And I think about times when crews of Nazi skinheads from Detroit came to flint to disrupt shows man right and physically assaulted african americans at the shows insane
3: personally i think that this racism this refusal to acknowledge me stems from feelings of inadequacy Hold the power, live life, babe by the 24-hour, now we're never neo-Nazi nation settle not a devil, living in hell as a rebel Several suffer the actions of millions Massive children, disastrous, villain Two facts, the race in the face Felt for question of place Replace the trace, generational reruns bell on parallel like father and like son Opposition says
2: this style do I'm not having a discussion. Yeah. I'm finding the first guy with a swastika patch and punching him as hard as I can. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna keep doing that until he leaves. You know. So, uh, thankfully, that's that's 20 plus years in the in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Uh, you know. But holy but, cow. But there was a Man, that's there was a time right is there. you had to fight for what you believed in and fight for those you loved. Yeah. And. Um, uh, if I didn't have a beard, I could show you some of the scars um, because looking at me, you'd be correct in guessing that I'm not a really great fighter uh, but my approach to fighting is is like my approach to punk rock yeah. if you need to do it, just get up there and do the best you can i would i would I'm not a fighter either I would definitely
1: offer to battle dance first. <laughs> <laughs> Like, can we just like bust some moves? Will that suffice? Because, oh man, that's insane.
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm glad it's not that, that era anymore. Yeah. But there was definitely a time in the late 80s and early 90s where, like, calling the police wasn't something you'd bother doing. Yeah. Because they weren't coming.
1: Man. There was
2: nobody in downtown Flint, and it was sort of you were on your own. Now, fortunately, you know we had guys like Corey Robinson and and Rocky and Johnny and Jamie Walker and so what usually ended up happening was that a crew of skinheads would roll in from Detroit which was you know kind of a contentious you know scene like like one of the one of the births of hardcore music and they'd say let's go up and you know show those folks up and Flint how it's done man. And in the vast majority of time they left with their tails between their legs, having taken a pounding at the hands of, you know, Flint kids that had not had the suburban upbringing I had. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I remember in the pre punching side of things, when you're still like arguing or, you know, like we have never banned skinheads from going to shows. Yeah, I don't care about your hairstyle, but if you've got a Hitler world tour t-shirt on, or a swastika or a badge for a a, a avowed white power group, you can't come in. Yeah. And, you know, we tell them, like, what are you doing in downtown Flint? Yeah. If you want to be white power, head up Martin Luther King Boulevard and do some goose-stepping and Sig hiling up there. Yeah. Right? Because right now you're just down here trying to intimidate a bunch of kids. So, like, that
1: Vandal song that No Skinheads Allowed in Mohawk Town makes a whole
2: lot more sense right now. (laughs) Uh, yeah, um, and and you know skinhead and that song in particular and was was skinheads and punks. Yeah, and Mohawk was the the symbol for punk rock, yeah. and and there were definitely scenes in this country where, you know, you just fight.
1: That is so. It's like I'm I'm laughing a little bit because you went so much deeper than I thought you were gonna go. Because <laughs> I'm thinking early 2000s, and I now realize that like. Any issues that we had in the like early 2000s? kid 2000- plugged the toilet yeah. and that really sucked. <laughs> I mean, like,
0: no, he went we, the skinhead route, man. We
1: were walking under the shade of some pretty tall trees then. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking like for myself uh, to share like one embarrassing story as uh, Jess and I were on a date and we were making out <laughs> on one of those nasty couches. Sinner. Before it. you were married? Yeah, I know it. We're total, total sinners. And uh, it was, it might have gone places, but this man named Joel comes up (laughs) and he taps me on the leg and he says, You guys can make out, but keep it vertical, okay?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That almost certainly would have been because there were like parents or officials of some sort in there. But, well, that's the other thing, too, is, you know. Young people have so few places to go. Exactly. That you know, if if you're with that first great love of yours, and uh, if you're from a Christian background and you can't be in the bedroom with a girl with the door closed, (laughs) it's true. Then paying your five dollars to make out at the local (laughs) sounds like a bargain.
1: Uh, You get your money's worth at the local, you know. So I was thinking that in the back of my head, and you totally went the skinhead route.
2: Uh, I'll leave out the one time we got shot at. That's not really relevant. But it happened. Um, Yeah, I I will say that that when things went down, I bravely hid behind my friend Rocky because he's a large man, and I figured he could stop a bullet.
1: Man, (laughs) that is so intense.
2: Downtown Flint was a way different spot, which is funny because... Now the the kids that come out to the local, right? Because of Blackstones and Five O One and the Cork, like, like there's this assumption that downtown Flint is fine, which is true. Yeah. The only parents that are concerned about their kids are parents who came to my shows when they were young. Really? And I have to explain to them, you don't understand. Your kids are sober, they don't do drugs, exactly. they're, they're drinking lattes.
0: I was going to
1: point that out. It <laughs> is <laughs> a substance-free <laughs> venue. Yeah. but That was the other thing for me as a Christian. It's like, what is straight edge? <laughs> <You> it, <know? laughs>
2: it used to be substance-free because yeah. that was the only way to keep out all the 40-ouncers that were being yeah. drunk in the alley. And now it's like we don't even need a sign because... This generation of kids aren't drinking. Oh, the millennials,
1: you mean the terrible millennials that it, are ruining yeah, everything? Yeah, they're so much better <laughs> behaved. You're their in parents. that
0: group,
2: Jason.
1: <laughs> we're at, we're at the top edge of it, but that's all you hear in the news is the millennials are awful, and they're not. They're totally not.
2: No, they're real. They're really smart, and they're really really terrified of like the lack of opportunity they're facing.
1: Exactly. There, um, there's almost nothing for them. I mean, I go, I look at. <laughs> uh, maybe this is a tangent here, but I, I work uh, as a CAD designer and um, I'll be 33 this year and I'm the youngest CAD designer and the old guys aren't retiring because they lost all their money in 08. So they're still going and nobody younger is coming up and nobody younger, frankly, could get a job at this point. Right? There, there aren't any. And like to me, it's like they don't, they don't have the same opportunity.
2: Right. Well, and then... You know, I just saw in the M Live last week. Uh, you now have to be 21 to buy tobacco in Genesee County,
1: <laughs> right? So yeah.
2: this morals law. Yeah. So at 18, you can join the Marines. Yeah. At 18, you can sign a piece of paper that will end up with you owing seventy thousand dollars in student loans. Yeah but you can't buy a pack of smokes because we're looking out for you, kid. (laughs) You know It's just so insane to me. Die of debt instead of lung cancer. Come on. Well, no, because if you you... die of lung cancer, you won't live long enough to pay off your student debt. So they're just being practical.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. So one of the things I want to talk about, Joel, that I'm I'm (laughs) catching wind of when I talk to different individuals is uh, this Factory 2 project. What is Factory 2?
2: Well, you know it's interesting, you know we talk about the the local in its current form is just five years old right as yeah. a five oh one c three nonprofit driven by a board of directors, a bunch of whom you know mm-hmm. right Chris everson from Kid Brothers, one yeah. of the founding members uh basically our entire board has some experience with the local uh cassie um from another misprint uh, at the time <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know was one of our board members uh and and you know, so basically for 20-plus for years, we talked about the things we'd love to do with the local if we could afford it. Yeah. And if we had the space and if we had the capacity. Well, now we sort of do. So we had been branching out with these different programs out of our building in downtown Flint. Um, we, we had a little outdoors program called No Child Left Online. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we have our own canoe trailer in six canoes now. We can do shuttles on the Flint River. We did some hiking, some mountain biking. That's Uh, awesome. Yeah, it was a blast. Um, You know, and we learned a lot. It was kind of a pilot program. We learned a lot, and now we think we're ready to, like, push it forward. Um, We had a program called Yes Flint that turned into Flint City pop-up, and it was supporting entrepreneurs and small businesses. That's cool. um, Working with little kids, Mm. um, you know, as young as, like, six or seven, on the fundamentals of, like, what is a business. Um, up to doing these pop- up events at the farmers' market where entrepreneurs could get table space and actually sell directly yeah. to the public such a huge
1: confidence builder yeah
2: um the Claddy girls, yeah, the two youngest were the granola girls they make their own <laughs> they make their own um or maybe it's happy girl granola uh, they make their own prepackaged granola um you know in a in a certified kitchen the whole thing it's it, you know it's really that is great awesome um and then uh, one of our founding board members, Mike Wright, who started coming to shows at the Capitol Theater in like 87, uh-huh. um, he got really interested in makerspaces. Um, and if folks don't know, uh, the best way I can describe a makerspace is you think about having a gym membership, which I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, Neither do we. No. <laughs> you <not laughs> you swipe your card at the door. And then you go in and you can lift weights, you can swim, you can go to the sauna, you can ride the elliptical machine. There's Uh like different resources there so that you don't have to buy a set of weights and a stationary bike, and you don't have to put in a swimming pool. Yeah. Well, a makerspace is the same kind of concept. You join, you get a swipe card. Only when you walk into the makerspace, you can use the 3D printers, the computer lab, the embroidery machine, the vinyl cutter, the laser cutter, that is so awesome. The shop bot. Yeah. You know, and then everything everything you'd find in an old high school shop class. Right. That is drill so presses, cool. lathes. Um, give me
4: one of them. <laughs>
2: yeah. So 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 Mike started this Steamworks, little teeny makerspace above the local. Yeah. And that's as a Chiotis's old practice space, okay. Which was Mark Maholic. Oh, my um, goodness. His yeah. recording studio. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
2: so that, that little corner, and it started in, like, one little room, and then two, and then expanded across the hall. And Mike yeah. was basically taking over the whole second floor. Yeah. Uh, so, so just last summer, we had an opportunity to get a 15,000-square-foot a former auto factory on Grand Traverse, um, the old Dort Motor Car Company that was built in 1916. And we've been working... Uh, the last few weeks, uh, hopefully a soft opening in March, and Factory 2 uh, Community Makerspace is going to open.
1: That is
2: exciting. That is way cool. And that's the thing that it... All ages? Yeah. yeah they'll, it, You know, the, the main user base are people that know what this equipment is and know yeah. how to use it. But there'll be all sorts of, like, Saturday workshops for introduce, introduction to, to various that pieces is of so equipment cool. or skill sets and Um, You know, Game Space, the uh, board game night that Jason Katarski started. They'll be in Factory 2 meeting there on Wednesdays. Um, We got rid of the branding for both Flint City Pop-Up and No Child Left Online. Okay, Those will just be programs at Factory 2 now. Uh, So we're really excited.
0: It's stuff like that that gives me so much hope for, like, the future, especially for, like, kids in the inner city. Like, people always talk about, well, like, you can't go to the inner city and like but then you see like there's all this poverty this all this this uneduc these uneducated individuals and there's nobody wanting to go into the city because it's just so hard to to do anything there so then you're starting this factory two thing and you're basically saying i'm gonna put these different things or these different resources in the hands of all ages not just entrepreneurs who are in their 20s and 30s but even these little kids maybe can come in and start learning stuff and doing stuff and like those are the things that long term will they they will bear so
1: much fruit well it's a gigantic i love you to the community yeah more or less because some people who feel like they don't have anything they there's feel like no they've been marooned or forgotten
2: yeah well and and it's it's interesting that that um you know as you know jason from being in bands You work to develop this skill set. Yeah. And, you know, playing your instrument is one, writing songs is one, figuring out how to make merchandise, how to tour, how to get a van and maybe fix it if it breaks down on the road, how to record. But most people do that once and then they never need to do it again because they don't continue down that path. Yeah. Well, the idea of the makerspace is. We have staff and volunteers that will figure out how to make really cool things come off of the laser cutter. And then members of the makerspace can come in and benefit from that expertise yeah. and efficiently take care of their project. So, you know, and we know from having run it just as a small upstairs space for a couple of years, um, small business people can make their businesses more efficient. Um, can promote better, can yeah. improve operations. Can look more
1: professional.
2: Because they have, you know, the laser cutter is a $20,000 piece of equipment. Yep. You go to the farmer's market right now, Mamang's um, uh, menu boards were made on that laser cutter. That's All so the signage cool. at those those nature people was done there. Um, the, the tap pulls at Tenacity Brewing yeah. were made on that one piece of equipment. Wow you know, man. You know, vinyl for for downtown businesses for their their front windows. Um, you know, you can do uh, vinyl for vehicles, yeah. you can do stickers for bands, you can do buttons, so people that do like Etsy kind of craft shops, you know, will have some sewing equipment there. Um, we have somebody who runs a, a store called Electronic Kitty. And you know she comes and checks out the serger, you know, to take home and work with. You know, so it'd be like library tools that you can Mm. you can take for a a couple of three days. So making some
1: not your pastor's
2: swag. (laughs) So actually, there there's a that's a perfect example. You guys show up, you don't know how to use anything there, and say, we have a podcast we want to help promote. What can we do here? Well, day passes are ten dollars. Yeah. You can come in. The button maker literally our friend's 3-year-old can make buttons on it. Yeah. You know, we'll sit down at the computer, put your logo in. Here's the template. Print those out on the color printer. The button making materials are 25 sets for $3. Yeah. You punch them out, you make buttons, you can make vinyl stickers for your car. That's a dollar a foot. Um the laser cutter Uh, You can get sheets of maple, you know, thin maple, Mm -hmm. and make name badges, Christmas ornaments, you know, you name it. You can make all sorts of stuff. The the disclaimer is they don't let me touch anything that plugs in, has a blade, or has a laser attached to it. Um, I was going to
1: say, you say a three-year-old can operate the button press, and that was the exact job I was given at Flint City.
2: (laughs) That's the one thing I'm allowed to use. And actually... Flint City T-shirts donated their button presses okay, to yeah, us. Okay, so that's my button press <laughs> because it's it's so inefficient that you can't really make money at it. Um, oh my gosh! You know, dude. so you know, but it's a, it's a cool location. It's on Grand Traverse, just on the west edge of downtown. Yeah. Um, it's on the proposed Flint bicycle trail line. Um, the property borders the Flint River so oh is that the place that's right
0: by uh tenacity right right at the entrance to atwood
2: stadium oh yeah yeah and it had razor wire up and was super unwelcoming (laughs) we got rid of the razor wire (laughs) we're fixing the signage you know but (laughs) but you know we we see it as a place you know it's going to be able to hold uh we think about 125 chairs pointed at a screen or a little stage so you can do workshops and presentations that's really cool um Uh, And, you know, we've already started booking some community events. We haven't gotten to our opening yet, but we're close enough. Like, painted all day today. Uh, The carpet will be in at the end of the week, the rest of the flooring next week. You know, it's getting close. I
0: mean, that's going to be such a cool space.
2: That's
1: just like your
2: story, just from
1: skinheads and punk rock (coughs) shows in the 80s to Factory 2 today. I mean, just all an effort of bringing people together and community i mean
2: yeah and you know it's, it's so cool uh i just watched a league of her own again yeah. oh, which yeah. i have not in forever and gina davis's character yeah. um uh her husband comes back from the war and so she you know takes off the uniform and is done mm-hmm. and and tom hanks says you know is, is saying well why did you why did you quit you know you love this game you love what you're doing and and she says it just got too hard and he says something like it's supposed to be hard if it was easy everyone would be doing it yeah and so when i think about the local and now factory too and like like the blood and the sweat and the tears and the commitment of of not just me but Every band that set foot on the stage and everybody that paid the five dollars and came in and generations of volunteers that have cared about that place, like it's been really, really hard but it's also been worth it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and uh, you know, it's it's not like well you guys are married. Yeah. You know, it works like it's not all magic and unicorns. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: But the hard work is is because those payoffs yeah. come down the road and um and you know, we you know, now that now that we've been here you know, in our 32nd year, like this is one of those things that that I did the first show on a whim and now I feel like there's no reason we shouldn't be here forever. Yeah. Right. Because you know, it seems like whenever you know, whenever your manager decides he wants to leave to open a taco truck,
0: <laughs>
2: one of your volunteers who's seventeen and by the way, Vehicle know, City
0: Taco, we're looking for sponsors. So just saying,
2: <laughs> uh, you know, somebody always seems to step up, and you know, you you know, when when bands like like The Swellers and Chiodos and Empire Empire, you know, pack it in there's that next generation ready to fill that role. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've had less and less to do with the club the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but, but one thing I'm certain of is that, you know, the all ages punk rock DIY venue in downtown Flint probably doesn't need a ton of hands on hours from like the grouchy 50 year old dude, (laughs) you know? So, so it's really great to just sort of say, you know what? I've, I can totally walk away at this point and have faith that it, it's not gonna be my local. Yeah. It's gonna be the local that that young people need today. Yeah, I wish.
3: Almost every night. Okay, and now I'm gonna tell a quick little story because they got to tell theirs. Okay. And as you all know, I'm twenty five years old. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. And when I started coming to shows in Flint, if you weren't, like, a 225-pound guy with big boots on, then you couldn't get in the pit because that's the only people in the pit. And everybody out there, they had these scowls on their face, and they'd dance around all me and They're, like, king of the pit, and you'd, like, knock people down and then stomp on their toes and fingers and stuff. And it wasn't a whole lot of fun. And then this new band came around, and a couple of people have heard of them. They're called Seven Seconds, and they came to Flint, and they played. And it was a really fun show because they had this they did on Reno and they'd like slam around in a circle and like skinny people like me and girls could do it and people who didn't want to get stomped on and everybody could have fun doing this thing where they'd all slam around and they'd, they'd slam in the pit and then people could stand around the outside and nobody would run into them because they just wanted to stand around the outside and watch or sit on the front of the stage and watch and people that wanted to dance would dance in the middle of the floor and it was really cool. And that happened for a while, and then I think it started going the other direction, and for a while Flint shows, well Sarah would always be the only girl in the pit, and I'd be the only skinny guy in the pit, because people tried not to run into me. But but other than that, it was just all these guys running around with scowls looking punk rock. I'm like, if you're in the pit, and you have like all this aggression in your head, and you're like swinging your arms around to hit somebody, and frowning, I think you're doing it wrong. You're at the wrong place. You ought to be at the Slayer show tomorrow. But if you're, but if you're at the punk rock show tonight, if you're at the punk rock show tonight, and, and you're here to see these bands, then when you're in the pit, you ought to be having fun and bouncing around with all your friends, and you can you can dance hard and not hurt anybody, and you ought to have, like, a smile on your face because it's fun to be here, and if it's not fun to be here, I'll give you your five bucks back and you can go home. You know, it's like, because you So, so that's, that's the only moralizing I want to do.
1: That's awesome. Just be so I guess one other. final if question to here before gonna yeah. be here. we wrap up. What does it feel like to to start this... And now you have second generations of people rolling through. Like, you, you've watched people grow up. You've seen what they become. And now they've got kids who are starting to get to the age where they're old enough to, to do the same kind of stuff. And you're still providing that space for them. What's that feel like? Like,
2: You know, the, uh, I, I think it, it might be kind of like what teachers feel like. Oh. You know, because they see this passage of time, and they they have these these young people come through the doors. Um, Teachers spend a lot of FaceTime hours with their students, and, yeah. and can have an impact way bigger than what what I would ever claim for the local. Um, but at the same time, it's so gratifying to meet these like completely clueless young people. <laughs> that walk through the door <laughs> wide-eyed and remind me so much of me the first time i oh, set foot man. in a show but to, but to to sort of like like see something in them that they might not see in themselves yet yeah and i think about like young jason Katarski, yeah you know uh you know playing shows with vivian's lunch and being like shy and awkward but also clearly like super observant yeah and with with just this overflowing empathy for other people Mm -hmm. and and everything he did he did well you know and now to see like the latest kickstarter from green couch games and read about like how cool his life is you know like or mark hudson yeah you know who was you know the guy that fooled around with these weird electronic instruments and was in, was in a band that sounded like Depeche mode. And then power on hold came out of nowhere yeah. and just like blew everybody away. And now he has this home studio in Fenton that nobody's heard of. Oh my goodness. But it like saves the day and against me record there. Have you been in there? Oh yeah. Like, oh my it's goodness. It's phenomenal. You know, so so that's that's been the best part is these, you know, making connections with people and and uh you know, just getting that, that Facebook request out of nowhere and they always start out, You probably don't remember me. And we're like, Are you kidding? Of course I remember you. You were like you were like sixteen years old and magic. You know, it was so obvious you were gonna take over the world in your own way. Uh you know, so so that's been great and, and having having kids come in the door and say, Are you Joel? You say, Yeah. You say, I think you you know my mom. I say, well, <laughs> well who was your mom? And then they tell me and we you know, talk about like the old days at the Capitol. Yeah. And then I get hold of their mom on Facebook and I say, Look let's call Detente. You don't tell any stories about me from the eighties, and I don't tell any stories about you from the eighties, and everything's gonna be just fine.
1: <laughs> that is awesome.
0: <laughs> Joel, thank you so much, man, for it's the stories an and just sitting in my cold basement and just sharing a part of your life with us and just yeah. I'm excited for Factory too.
2: You're probably gonna be seeing see my face or Jason's face. For sure, man. What we'd love to to have live podcasting from Factory Two. Oh Oh, man, nothing against your basement, but uh, (laughs) it's cold. Um, and there's tons of legos somewhere yeah (laughs) your dog is awesome i didn't know i was getting some pup time out of this deal (laughs) i could have just petted the dog for a minute and left and i would have been happy well that's
1: that's great because that's really all we have to offer you no (laughs) (laughs) it's
2: been fun it's been great talking to you guys
1: is there any last uh websites or anything else you want to mention before we say goodbye no if
2: anybody's curious find us on facebook um, all the performing art stuff is is through Flint Local 432, and everything else, makers, entrepreneurs, uh, outdoors is Factory 2. Awesome,
1: thanks, Joel. Yeah, thank you.
0: Wow, Jason. I don't know if your mind's blown, but mine is. And I realized that I did the exact thing I always do after an interview. Every interview, man. I wow Wow, Jason. Jason. (laughs) So I just I just want to let our 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 listeners know that we're recording this. So we started our interview with Joel at like about right before eight o'clock. Yeah. And it is now currently ten thirty. Yeah. And so what happened is we stopped recording. We recorded for about an hour or so. Yeah. And Joel sat and talked with us and shared with us just some some stuff going on in downtown Flint, just some of the stuff that's just happened. And especially like him and I know a lot of the same people. And like, because I used Did to... Did he
1: not give us like a flint church history lesson he
0: gave us a flint church history lesson dude knows his history man and so i'm just blown away and it's like man i almost feel more blessed by her conversation off air than on air but but um but joel was a great guest and i was like man i'm not sure what jason's trying to do here with joel we're gonna talk about music venues like i don't know maybe it'll come out good and it and it certainly did jason
1: you're your instinct has served you well. Dude, I am a punk rocker through and through at heart, you know? Mm-hmm. And there isn't there isn't a dude I look up more to than Joel Rash, mm. honestly. Like, that guy has always been, like, he he brought it up. He's like, I kind of feel like the teacher when I see the kids come back through town sort of thing. Yeah. And that's kind of what he's always felt like. I mean, he's taught me so much stuff about music and about being a person and just how to live life. Right. I mean, in various and different ways. I mean, just a just a tremendous impact. And you see what he's done for the community and what he continues to do.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for that Factory 2 stuff. man. Absolutely. Not Your Pastors podcast. Lord willing, will be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny you bring up the fact that you looked you looked up to Joel so mm-hmm. much. You know what else people should look up
1: to? Oh my goodness, Alex the transition. <laughs> You're killing me.
0: Our Instagram account. Yeah. Our Twitter account. We had Our some Facebook. fun with Legos on Instagram. Yes, we did, Jason. And I'm not going to lie. Any excuse that I can use to play with Legos, I'm going to take it. Yeah. Because I'm 27 years old. I have a family. I have a mortgage. I have a job. And there's not a lot of time left four Legos. So if I if all of a sudden I get something from a text from Jason that says homework tonight make a lego pastor with pulpit (laughs) well it's it's my it's for the podcast i gotta do it
1: you added the american flag in the background
0: (laughs) just to add insult to injury oh
1: my goodness what's up keith giles
0: yeah um but yeah so if you guys are on social media please 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 check out all of our social media pages you won't be disappointed we're going to be posting more stuff from lego land also jason is going to be posting some more thoughts
1: Yep, I got some comments. On
0: our website and that's not dot com. Yep. So Jason, why don't you tell the folks what they need to
1: hear? Always keep your stick on the ice. That's right.